Um, today, we are so excited because we have Davon Williams. He is an actor, a singer, a writer, an artist, and host of The Receipt, which is gaining so much um, attention. He was featured in BroadwayWorld.com, and we are just so excited to talk to him today. So thank you so much for coming here and just chatting with us, Devon. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Y'all got your own receipts. You said I can't. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Well, Devon, so um, the first thing that we that I really want to say is we love how you use your platform and your artistry. Uh, we love how you use your, your artistry as a platform for your activism. So we want to start today's um, podcast off by saying um, to arrest the cops that killed Brianna Taylor. So simple, them. so clean. And it's yes. just that simple and that clean. So we're going to start the show off with that. It's hot, <laughs> so I'm banning myself, but that's okay because we keep it real out here. Uh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and yeah, so um, today's episode is all about the art of leveling up mm. and creating your own opportunities. Devon, looking at your career, we can see that you have consistently achieved success. So um, each opportunity has been very unique and you've consistently leveled up. Um, how are you able to consistently progress in an unconventional career path? Um, I think it's... I really think it's all about diversifying your bonds. I think it's about allowing yourself to set your own dreams. I think, I remember it's so random and so crazy. I remember being in elementary school and everybody was like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And one kid gets up and he goes, I want to be a trash man. And we were like, what? It doesn't make sense. You're supposed to be a doctor or an actor or something like that. And it's interesting when you grow up and go, look at that, look at that dream that could have evolved. Look, and he could have ran that truck shop, but he wasn't nurtured the way that he should have been nurtured. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the short end of it is you got to keep on keeping on. You got to push through and you got to allow yourself to define yourself. Mm -hmm. oh. allow wow. Yourself. Allow yourself to define yourself. That's so interesting. What does that look like in real time? In real time? Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about today. Let's talk about today. Today, I am known for a show that I started, well, if this is the fifth episode, then it was five weeks ago. So five weeks ago. Um, in no way, shape or form have I ever enjoyed, and it's weird because I'm in the entertainment industry, I don't enjoy doing the receipts. 
I don't enjoy the aspect of it. I don't enjoy the booking. I don't enjoy the questions. I don't, I don't enjoy it, but I understand the importance of it. And it would be, it would be criminal. It would be criminal for me to have the, the background that I've had in politics and art and stuff like that and not use this moment to speak up for the culture, to speak up for where we're going and to do that. And that's the responsibility. And it's funny because when I first talked about it, people were like, you got to have a following. You got to have this. You got to do that. You got to. There's so much red tape. But but dream your dream. Dream your dream, boo boo. I remember getting that text and being like, oh, OK, let's do it. And the idea is if, if you want to do something in this world, you just do it. And don't get caught up in any of the BS, because if you're genuine and you're true to it, you define that path. Mm, and that's right. it. Mm, wow. Right. Wow. Well, um, I mean, that brings us into our own, our next question, which is um, me and Tish, we're both like advocates for artists creating their own opportunities. We've consistently um, talked about that and just like not waiting for somebody to give you an opportunity, but creating it for yourself. Yes. So um, you talked about your show, The Receipts. Can you tell our viewers like what specifically inspired you? We know, but we want them <laughs> to know. Um, what um, inspired you to create your show, The Receipts? There was a murder that ran over eight minutes um, and it was George Floyd. Uh, if you were to go back in time when I had just moved to LA, um, that was a, that was when Christopher Dorner was uh, just uh, taken down. He was um, chased up to Big Bear and he was burned alive in his house. And it resonated so much with me because I was living in Philadelphia before that. And one of the stories you learn is the story of Move, Ramona Africa, John Africa, and the fact that the city of Philadelphia saw this black community, this group of people inside of a house doing their own thing, living their own way, and they dropped a bomb on that house and killed those children. Wow. A little bit after that, Trayvon Martin. A little bit after that, something else. And after a while, like when I had gotten my contract to go to Hong Kong, then Freddie Gray. And at that point I was like, I gotta do this. I gotta, like, this, I just can't sit here and just act and say words. I gotta, I gotta use those writing skills. I gotta do that. And I started just, well, I'll ghostwrite. How about I do that? So I'm in Hong Kong. What I'll do for some of these people is I'll, I'll write their speeches for them. I'll do this so they can focus on the ground plan. I'll be the person behind the scenes because that's what I'm used to. I'm comfortable with that. Again, I don't like attention. I'm very much an introvert. But again, when you have the skills, you gotta use them. So fast forward to when I saw uh, George murdered, I um, I went putting, writing and being in the back isn't enough at this point. Like I can't keep putting different faces up there because one, you don't even know what they're gonna do. You just hope that they have the best intentions. So at this point, I gotta put up or shut up. And that's the birth of the receipts in which I sat down, figured out what is the best way to talk about institutionalized racism within this industry that I'm working at and let's go for it. And either people are gonna be on board or they're not. And we're gonna take 10 episodes and we're gonna really get down to how do we make this clear and crisp and accessible in every way. Did COVID, so you talk about the, the, the pause that we're all going through, the pause of COVID and the quarantine. Yeah. Um, did the pause, so clearly the pause influenced you, but was it like something that you always wanted to do and then having more time within the quarantine that allowed you the time to do the receipts? 
I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that COVID in itself was a gift because we're all forced to sit and deal. Um, and that works both ways. Anxiety is up. Suicide rates are up. Depression is up. And like we're all being forced to deal with ourselves. And what's what's wild about these moments is just like the last recession, just like the Great Depression, just like these moments of real big downtime, this is what dictates the future. So the people who move in these moments right now, like you all are doing with your show, these are the things that are going to yield fruit because right now we're in a downtime. This is the moment you have to be the most active you are because it's needed. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, the short answer is, of course it did. Like, of course, you can't help but because me, I'm, I'm a, I, I will lean in. I need to do something. I'm not just going to sit back. And that's kind of one of the big things. Uh, and yeah. Okay. 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 Um, you talked about earlier how people really discouraged you from starting your show because they said that you like didn't have this following. Um, but you decided to just do it anyway. Um, How were you able to quiet the noise and be courageous enough to begin? Like what what was that defining moment where you were like, you know what, I'm not gonna listen to that. I'm gonna quiet the noise and I'm gonna quiet the noise in COVID, which Mm. is a high stress time for a lot of people. How, How were you able to say, boom, I'm gonna focus on this, I'm gonna do it anyway? Um, I'm trying to think, what's the clearest way? What's the clearest way? Um, I think one of the biggest things we have to do is if you are a leader, you learn really quick that you have to listen. And that means you have to listen to everything. If someone's coming to you with something, there's a reason. And sometimes it's not always sinister. Sometimes people want to protect your heart. Sometimes people want to... um, protect you from what they've gone through. They want to advise you. They want to make sure that you're not wasting your time. And sometimes they're just showing you they don't see the value. And you got to understand what all that is saying. When people are saying, oh, you don't have a following, you don't have this. What I heard was, oh, you're right. I have to plan better. I got to get deeper into that strategic plan. Mm -hmm. You're so right. That is such a good compliment. Thank you. I work with that. Like you have to really understand what's being told. And then another thing is also past experience. Like everything as soon as we even before we come out the womb everything plays its part and um the adversity hypothesis is something that i study a lot in which a lot of people will go through these major traumas or these major moments and it defines who they are as a person because the younger you are and the sooner you deal with things the better prepared you are for it it's like it's like ten thousand hours malcolm gladwell you go in you put in your hours and once you learn and build up that skill set boom there it is Right, yeah. right, right, right. Um, I heard you talk about that on your TED talk, the adversity um, hypothesis, and that was that was amazing. Like you said something like something about how children who are under the age of four will experience some type of trauma, and then they they live in this kind of dream world, which like fosters their creativity. Is yeah? Is that, am I saying it right? Yeah, you're paraphrasing, but you got it. Michael Jackson, Tom Cruise, the list of Viola Davis now just coming out with, with her story. You have so many stories of people who had these traumatic moments. And we got to be very fair here because I don't want people to walk away being like, oh, I just got to go traumatize a child and I'm golden. No, what happened <laughs> was these people, myself included, had dealt with a trauma and they leaned in. 
<laughs> that's, that's the part that I think people always forget is they were able to lean in, accept it, and keep it moving. Um, yeah, it's it's such an interesting thing. This idea of acceptance and trauma and how we navigate and how we develop as a person. Someone can say one. All, uh, it's happened to all of us. When you're talking to someone, you don't really pay attention to everything you said. And five years later, they're like, one day you told me this and it made me feel this sort of way. And you're like, oh, good or bad. You're like, I, I honestly, okay. <laughs> I don't know. But that's because you need those gems, Devon. It seems like everything that comes out of your mouth is just like knowledge. Uh, I receive that. I don't, that feels so weird. But yeah, it's just speaking from the heart. It is. It is. So you you talked about leaning in. And I've heard, I've, I've watched all of your content. Um, and I've heard you spoke. I've heard you spoke about that spoken I can't speak right now but I heard you talk about that and um, that's actually one of the questions that I have is that um, on your show you talk about um, not shutting down and leaning in and how this is really the time to lean in so you can yield so people can yield major dividends yeah. um, what advice can you give like the artists and the entrepreneurs that are watching on how to get their mindset right so that they can focus and lean in at this time? Because I know that a lot of people, I mean, I've even spoken to friends where they're just like, I haven't, I haven't even thought about after the pandemic. I haven't even thought about what's going to happen now. I was even at a picnic today where um, some of my friends, they were just talking about the importance of really surrounding yourself with people who are dreaming and what that can do to just help you to create your own opportunity. So I don't know, is that, does, did that question make sense? Oh, all right, this makes purpose. Okay, okay. Um, it's, for me, I am, uh, <laughs> Again, I'm an introvert. So again, all of us having to stay inside, I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay, so one issue solved. Um, the second one being, oh, let's wait, let's break that up a little bit. Can you break that up and let's take it section by section? Okay, um, so the first, the first thing that, so I just put myself in the mindset of like people watching yeah. the show, right? And the thing that I keep hearing from individuals is like, how can they have the mindset shift to lean yeah. in right now? Like I, I'm, I'm really big on um, whatever advice that people get is very tangible, very practical because people are like lean in, and these are like these are phrases that they sound they sound really great, but like what does it mean? What does that really look like? Because uh, like myself, I'm a person that's very self motivated. Yeah. However, I can't. Um, I can't negate the fact that I have Tish as a best friend. I mm -hmm. have a roommate I have who has a positive mindset. I am surrounded. I mean, my dad every day is like, let me tell you, you know, uh, you gotta put your mind in the mindset of this because it's like, time to sleep. And I'm like, okay, that, but, but these are the forces that are around me that are contributing to me being self-motivated. However, some people don't have that. So how, what advice do you, can you give for them to like really shift their mindset to lean in versus shut down. Me and Tish, we went to grad school together and we had a teacher that used to say, do you remember when Billingsley Tish used to be like, uh, don't check in, like, don't check out, check in. Remember that? Remember yeah. when she said yeah. that? I was all the way checked out at the time, but. You know. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, okay, cool. So I, I do understand it. Uh, this is one of the biggest gifts I got to understand. I, have zero power to change anyone. I cannot change anyone. That is impossible. 
two things I can do. I can change myself all day, every day, and I can provide the resources if someone wants to change their life. Mm -hmm. Those are only two things we can do. And the only, uh, when it comes to other people, best thing, lead by example. Because even with, like you were saying with the show, um, what everyone wasn't open to it. And then as soon as they saw it, as soon as they were able to catch the materialized vision, then they were able to jump on board. And then, and then people who are still not on board, you know, they, everyone's not going to get there. Some people won't get left behind. That's the real. Um, and sometimes people stay in those places because it's comforting. Sometimes people, when they grow up, all they know is hell. <laughs> they know is mess. And the idea of leaving that mess sounds awful. It sounds horrifying. Hey, I see you. Oh, how do we say? Uh-uh, I need you to send another comment and show me how to say that name. I want to get that name right. It looks yeah. I'm serious. Just break down that name. I will learn it and I will say it right now. But um, yeah, you gotta you gotta really just lead by example, leave it there, and just make sure you're doing what you can do. Um, and just bettering yourself, always being in a place of learning. Like if there's ever a moment I feel like I've I've learned everything, it's time to let it go. <laughs> it's time to just let it go, let it be what it is, and pick up a new thing. Um, and just always be in that moment. And it's also there is no shame in going. I need help. <laughs> I really, it's like, was it even today? People are like, how do you get those guests? I send a text there or email or like, I legit go, I need help. I need, I need, I need your platform. And sometimes people say no. Sometimes I'll try to go through someone to get to someone and they'll say no because they're afraid of messing up whatever standing they believe they have. Like it's, it, that's just life. That's how it is. And the sooner you can get over rejection, and the sooner you go, okay, that door's closed, I'm gonna take this one and all that, the better life turns out. Like you gotta be willing to just go for it. And that doesn't mean steamroll people. Don't don't okay. be that person. Like don't, especially in like entertainment. Everyone you come across, you gonna come across them again and they'll probably be in a position of power. So just don't be a good person. And if you if you don't if you're not genuinely a good person, figure it out. Like don't, right. don't be <laughs> Well, you know, I, uh, piggybacking off of that a little, I, I tend to find that a lot of artists are very intimidated about doing technical and tangible things to get where they need to be at. They just want to be the artist. They want somebody to do it for them or they want somebody to do it for them or, you know, or they're just in a place where they're so intimidated by the process mm -hmm. of just taking it one step forward that they just don't do it at all. What advice do would you give those people who maybe they need to learn a new skill or maybe they need to try something different outside of their artistry <laughs> in order for them to level up? Um, two things. I'm gonna do the first one as like a parable story. I'm in Macau over in uh, Asia. I meet some friends that I've never met before. We're all out, we're drinking, we're hanging out. One of them goes, dude, I think, oh, you know what I wanna do? There's this really high needle tire. It's the highest one in the world. I'm gonna bungee jump off of it. And all of us are like, yeah, thinking that he'll forget. <laughs> wake up the next day, he goes, I bought the tickets, I did this. Cause at first I was gonna be like, oh, I don't know where my money is. Oh, you know, my card isn't working. So I was gonna find my way out of that. And he was like, oh, I bought the tickets, I did this, let's go. And I'm like, oh my God, like I have no excuse. So we go up to the top of this needle, we get on and I go, okay, I got it. 
He's going to jump. The other friend's going to jump. And then I'm going to go, I backed out, guys. Do what we want. It happens. He jumps. The other person jumps. And I go, you know what? This was great. Thank you. This little eight-year-old kid puts the thing on and goes, ah! <laughs> I go, what is wrong with me? Like, what is, in that moment, I'm literally sitting there going like, why don't I want to do this? What am I thinking? And like, oh, the bungee jump could, could pop. I, I, I could die. The feeling of dropping, your stomach dropping, all that. But uh, what's the percentage of me messing up? Like what, 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 what's really going to happen with this bungee cord that is tried, tried and true? Let's go for it. And when I jumped for three seconds, it validated why I shouldn't do it. For three seconds, I said, I knew it. <laughs> you can hear the yell, the most guttural yell I've ever given, very Viola Davis. And then after that, it was eight seconds of an experience I had never felt before. It was the most heavenly experience I had ever come across. And when I got down, I started tearing up. I'm a crier. And, and they're like, are you okay? Oh my God, are you okay? And they were like, you were afraid, right? And I was like, no, it's just, I'm crying because I almost cheated myself of that. Like I almost cheated myself of that. And it's so funny how fear works. Like it will cloud us every step of the way. And we get cheated out of such wonderful, prosperous stuff. Even now, like I do this show. I hate this show. But like, it's a good show. I hate, I hate doing it. But at the same time, there are so many things that I go, my God, I wanted to sit this out. Like I really wanted to, I didn't want to do this. It's taxing, it's hard, but my God. So yeah, like don't don't do it to yourself. Go for it. Mm. And it's it's more so like the technical part that's hard, right? Is it the testing, the putting the lights together? Because y'all should see my lighting setup. It's just a it's we like have to get real. Look, look at this. Two two lights here. That's hung up by a clip. I have to accept it. And I was very Clips. This is real rinky. No excuses. There are no excuses. Like, look, I will, I will show you. I will give you the tour. Like, there are no excuses. And this whole thing cost eighty dollars on Walmart. There are no excuses. No, that's right. So it's Dartney. Just to let you Dartney. Dartney. Thank you for the compliment. I appreciate. That's my sister. Yeah. Hey, Dartney. So, uh, but yeah, I, I do find that a lot of people are really afraid. And, you know, a lot of times I, when people are trying to get to the next level, I say, you know, why don't you start with what it is that you can do right now? What skills do you have? What skills do you have? Like, what can you do to add to your overall vision? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really hard thing. I mean, people can write, people can, you know, there's so many options now for artists right now that they didn't have before. And I try to encourage them, Darko and I both try to encourage them to just, you know, take on one of them, just just try something because eventually you'll get no, you'll get, um, noticed and me as a, as a line producer, I hire people all the time. I hire actors all the time. And I'm, I've never seen them on a television show, but they might have some sort of content out there that I can see them, that we can see that either we like them, oh, I really like them, there's something about them, or we are like, yeah, that's the character. Do you know what I'm saying? So I, I just, I just kind of feel like, you know, if you're trying to level up, right, mm-hmm. what you're doing is the right thing to do. 
you know, you're putting yourself out there. And I, I looked at you for one show, one <laughs> show, and I was like, gosh, she needs to come on our show. Yeah. Gosh, I mean, you know, it, that's all it really takes. Mm-hmm. All it takes is just like for people to just mm-hmm. see a little bit of something that you can do, and then they're they're ready to be in your corner. That's you know, you make lifelong friends like that. You make lifelong friends like that. That's so true. And Devon, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, your show has gained a lot of success very quickly. Um, But I know that that probably has to be a result of the relationships that you've built over um, the course of many years working in entertainment and production. Is that is that true? Uh, yes. Um, I, I got to break this up into two parts. There's, there's, there's me and then there's the acts of the past. There, there, um, in the first episode, there was a guy named Mark Richard Taylor who, who was running for, uh, actors equity, a, a position there. And it came out that he had these racist uh, tweets, sexist tweets and all this other stuff. And one, I was shocked that he came on to interview, but as I got to know him, I learned like, oh, he's just a, He's just a product of a racist like community. Like he just doesn't know any better, and he is working to like pr- like be a better person. And just just the idea of owning and taking on the sins of the past, I think it works both ways. So when you're going through and you do something right or you do something good, you are building that currency for later. Like it's it's mm-hmm. it's the basic thing of yin yang and karma. Like you gotta. Again, lead with your heart. Always be good. Like it takes nothing to. What is it? Um, it's also in the supermarket. Lots of long ago. Just, just reaching up for something, and without even asking or anything like that, it was just like grab, go. Here you go. Boom. Keep it moving. Like it's, yeah. it's nothing. And a lot of times when you're dealing with the opposite personalities, it's because there's a hole there. There's something there. And even then, you need to lean into them more. Like you need to be that person more because they're hurting. And they and they and they don't know how to share that. You can see it. I uh, was it uh, Michael Shepard on today's show, which is a whew, that was a heavy show today. He talks about this idea of he was at a cookout. Um, I had pulled it from another podcast. He was at a cookout with his family, and his husband pulls him and goes, "Look, look, 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 look at your look at your nephew. He has the same face you have, and that face was manic depression." Mm-hmm. And he goes to that person and he tries to talk to him, and then the parents get in the way and go, "No, God got it. God got it." Two days later, or a little long later, he takes a gun to his head and he is gone. That's a moment. Like that is a moment where you look back and you go, "That you saw it. You saw you." Sometimes you can just see. And I relate it back to like something that I had gone through because I, when I heard that part of the interview, I was like, "He has to talk about this." Because something that happened in my life is, um, I was in college. I had this situation where I got to, um audition in for new york so i'm going up to new york i'm so excited and everything's wrong the callback information's wrong everything's wrong i'm in for the wrong character and i'm just sitting there about to cry and i'm just like this is bull and this actor a uh, well-known actor uh comes through and he's like hey i saw something went wrong you just want to go like the red lobster you want to hang out and we hang out and like he cheers me up and we keep this like friendship going and we're talking and he's going back to filming shows and all that and we're texting and all that and he goes yeah, I, I'm dealing with this stuff and he's dealing with this dark stuff. And at the time I was going through my own personal thing. And I always think like a little bit later, he went and killed himself. Like someone you look at and you go like, God, he has the life, he has a career. He had like a hit show. <laughs> like now he's on another show and now he's dead. And like, 
I saw it. You can sometimes you can just see it and you got to just be there. And that's part of just being a human being. We we really got to acknowledge the power that we have and acknowledge what we can do for others by just being present. Mm. And that's it. And that's what that's what all this is about. Wow. As our ice cream truck is playing. Welcome to New York. <laughs> um, Devon, you know, I I watched your TED Talk Wang Chai interview and you talked about um, your experience growing up in um, a lower socioeconomic neighborhood of Baltimore. Baltimore. <laughs> Baltimore. The Baltimore. Baltimore. That Baltimore. accent, that yeah. Baltimore, Baltimore accent. Maryland, and, um, your relationship with your mother and being raised by your grandparents and all of the adversity that you, I mean, you've, you overcame and how you use that to fuel your success. Um, I know a lot of people, I, and I'm quite sure, you know, you've heard from some of your friends and maybe family members, a lot of people are experiencing a lot, experiencing a lot of trauma in this pandemic. And whatever thing, whatever various things that people had going on has been magnified yes. by the pandemic. Um, but you really, um, history has shown that you have really found a way to use your adversity and the obstacles that you have overcome to fuel your success. Um, what advice can you give to just the artists and entrepreneurs out there to do the same? Um, I would like everyone to take a moment and just look at me. Just look at me. Um, if you were to play this as a video game, um, I am a dark skinned, gay, black man, six feet tall. Just do all the, just, just put all the stuff out there. Um, I, I speak a way that helps me navigate through certain rooms. I, I can code switch really well. I grew up um, in the rough parts of Baltimore, but went to Catholic Jesuit school all my life. So that W.E.B. the Bois thing is strong <laughs> in me. And when you think about it as a video game, in no way, shape or form do I think it's on level easy for me. <laughs> and no, I don't think it's, no, I think I'm playing hard. <laughs> Only thing that I look at and be like, oh, a black woman, that's the hardest level. That's the hardest setting of this <laughs> video game. And what happens is when you play it, you can't play those levels without having a certain level of skill. A easy can't beat a hard, like you can't. So when you're growing up and you're doing that, you're learning skill sets and things that if you work with it, it lets you navigate in ways you've never. I remember I was talking to um, this guy who was white and got everything handed to him. I will never forget the reaction to his first no. <laughs> you would have thought, you would have, thought he got shot like you, you this is something i had never seen before and he just couldn't understand the concept of keep moving and all that and i was like wow even in that struggle that's a gift and you gotta really again it's everyone's choice but i'm praying that everyone leans in and buys into the fact that even the worst things or the perceived worst things are a gift and you gotta use it and you gotta use it nonstop. And it's okay to it's okay it's okay to mess up. It's okay. Like so, uh, with it, I had a friend who um, I was trying to talk to him about stock market stuff and all that. And he was like, "I'm so afraid. What if the stock falls?" And I go, "Then you learn something. Then you learn something. Yeah, that's go. it. Yeah. Then you know what not to do next time. But you'll never know until you're in it. You can study it. It'll help you. But you're not going to know till you're in it. And you go, "Oh, that's what that feels like." 
Do you do you think that we're living in like a fear culture? Do I'm sorry. Culture, do you think that our culture is perpetuating fear? Um, do you think we're in a culture of fear? I think we live in an emotional culture. Like I think <laughs> in which emotions guide us. Um, the same way people can be paralyzed by fear, they can be paralyzed by happiness. They can be paralyzed by content. Uh, like there's so many things in the way emotions work. That's how come even with politicians, when I was working for that a little bit, it was all about getting people to feel something. You gotta make, even in acting, like even in performing, it, we can appeal to you with your brain, we can appeal to you this way, but the whole point is to hit the heart. Mm. Hmm. And sadly, fear works a lot, <laughs> but it's also a go-to. It's a go-to because we're taught that emotion because it's one of the easy ones. Just like we're taught fear and happiness. Like it, you're taught those, yeah. Right, right. Really? Yeah, I agree. I, I, um, I find myself kind of disengaging from the news these days uh, because it's, it, it becomes this, I mean, we talk about being around positive people, but sometimes like the world it's just, it's just when it's in chaos like this, you're like, how can I disengage? So, I find myself just like cutting. I just have to cut it off. I just, I just can't because when you're a sensitive soul, like a lot yeah. of artists are, a lot of artists who are out there, they're extremely sensitive, which makes us great artists, right? Because we're able to feel what someone else is, is feeling. But at the same time, sometimes reality can be a little bit tough, you know. Us. So, how do you disengage? How do you disengage around me? Uh, I don't. Uh, if we're talking about the news specifically, this is something really interesting. Um, I'm in high school, 9 11 happens. For the first time ever, by choice, I turn on, I think it was MSNBC, then I flip the Fox News, then I flip to CNN. I'm just flipping to all three. Since that day, September 11, 2001, I will look at the news every single day. That's a learn happen, good or bad, good or bad. Only because again, sometimes it's just important to see what's going on. And if you were to evolve that skill, what I've learned is that sometimes, again, in the silence or in the fear or in the distress, you figure out the demand, and then you can figure out how to supply it. So more often than not, when it gets tough, when it's like, oh my God, what is this? That's a moment even more to be like, okay, quiet. What's happening? Let's go. Can we write down that quote? Can you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm assuming y'all ain't deleting this episode. You can just go back. What is this? Minute 34, 45 seconds. There you go. I'll write this down afterwards. You figure out how to supply. Well, um, Devon, so um, that brings me to my next question that I have for you because I have constantly been saying that this is going to be a great time for just anybody, A, because you have structures that are being torn down. And I know that in my reading with personal self-development and studying wealth, that when systems fall, when there is a recession, that's also a time of great opportunity and great wealth. And you talked about on your show that you said that, um, that this is going to be a time of great opportunity and that there's going to be a redistribution of wealth. So I think that you just had better language than I have around it. But we're talking about the same thing. Um, can you like break down, just so that people aren't just hearing it from me, what that means, the redistribution of wealth for artists and entrepreneurs in this time coming up in and after the pandemic? Uh, so right. The pattern that's happening right now is 
a lot of people of color who've had all this experience, all of a sudden are no longer invisible. Again, we have to give root to what took place. Like again, a man was murdered, a woman was killed in our home and all that. These are great, like this is, and it, it has pushed us to a breaking point because we're also dealing with a pandemic. We, we, cannot take away, we cannot take away the facts of how we got here. We just can't. But um, in, in knowing what has taken place, it has really cracked open the issue and it has burst a lot of ceilings. And now people are seen and they're getting their resumes looked at. And now you have the new issue of, are you an actual ally or is this performative? Something else that we talked about today um, on, on the receipts, which is the idea of like, now you have to look out for, for wolves and people who all of a sudden have always known you existed, but now they want you not because of your talent, but because they can go, I've known this person for so long. So it only proves that this wasn't me. Like this wasn't, this wasn't what was going on. Even when we had um, the producers break down their data and look at it, it was interesting how everyone reacted. One person, Tom McCoy, who I adore, was like, shit, I gotta get this right. Like I gotta, I gotta really figure this out. And then you had others who were just like, and I'm going to put a positive spin on this. I'm gonna try and give you the right answer. And it's just like, oh God, that's that's that performative stuff. That's that stuff that's gonna get you hired. And once the coast is clear, you're fired. Like that's that kind of stuff that is very dangerous. Um, so even with this redistribution, you gotta understand what you're signing up for. Mm. If, if you're signing up to get this job and you think, okay, this is performative, you gotta already have your exit strategy. You gotta already have this because let's never forget, this is still a business. It's just the rules have shifted. And you have to understand that everyone, even people that look like us, don't have our best interest at hand. Mm -hmm. And what's, what I think, and I'm sorry if I'm going off topic a little bit, I think what cheats a lot of us is that we're not taught these things. We're taught you perform, you do this, you get your Tony, you get your Oscar, and you fight for these awards that, as Audrey McDonald said three days ago on a panel, they didn't take away my stretch marks. Why didn't my six Tonys take away my stretch marks? Why didn't my Tony help me with my mortgage? Why is it that when I go to LA, people go, who's Audrey McDonald? Lilius White talked about the fact that she keeps auditioning when she sees people who have done less or just they're just Tony nominated, get shows offered to them. And then they see Lilius and go, Lilius, why are you auditioning? Girl, you know why we auditioning. Like, you know. You know <laughs> We gotta fight this idea that that the top is the top. Like it's a false thing that was put on us to keep us in place. Like these awards are to keep us in place and keep us working at a cheap number and a cheap rate. Uh, Don Lewis brought up the idea that when a different world happened, and I love that she talked about this and that we were able to like get further. I think people always get caught up in you got to write the you got to write the song, you got to write the the theme song, and you got to act. And it's like no, let's talk about how that happened. Dawn went and asked for help from lawyers. She said, I ain't got money, I ain't got this, but I know this is really big. So if you got anything, let me know. And they went, we have somebody, and I'm gonna bring up Meg the Stallion. We have somebody in Dawn Lewis who isn't just gonna sign anything. We'll represent you for free. Cause we know once you're on something, we ain't gonna lose you. She got a 50-50 deal. In a time, like again, different world is years ago and she was smart enough to know that the business is where it's at. Man, forget those awards, forget all that. 
give me my give me my money and also give me my role and also make sure the credits are there because you know some people just like you know what it's just a blessing that i got on this tv show no like it's not, it's not, okay. it's not okay. and this is for me very much enjoy doing a show and going away. I don't like, again, an introvert. So I'm going to do everything I can to get the best bang for my buck so I can go somewhere else. Like I like moving. I like doing things like that. I don't want to get stuck in these situations. Like sadly, Meg Thee Stallion is fighting her way out where she got a bad deal. And they told her, girl, it's the industry. You should have negotiated. They're right. They're 100% right. We got to be smarter. And that means we got to start educating and not taking in the indoctrination. Like we got to really get people to understand when you graduate, you are the business. You have to present yourself. You have to do a website. It sucks. I know it sucks and I refuse to do it. But now that I'm throwing myself in the arena, I got to play the follower game. And I hate it. Like I genuinely hate it. But I got to accept what the rules of the game are. Like I have to, I have to accept it. And if I'm not ready to accept it, then I'm not really ready to play. I'm not really ready to do this at all. So you gotta, you gotta really look at this and go, is this here because this is the next logical step or is this to keep me in place? I see so many people even on Broadway who have moved down like one show or and not, not able to like make that over because they're not making the business deals. They're not securing the funds. I see people, what is it? I've done shows and I've learned how to like reinvest that money, do this. Okay, half of this has to go here. Now, I don't wanna pay out to white investors anymore. So now when I do my relationships, I'm very intentional about who I say yes to. When I saw y'all invitation, I said, no brainer, yes. Oh, and then <laughs> yes. I wanna get to a place where when I do my payout, they're not white gay men. They're not like, they're not, I'm not paying into this problematic system. I wanna start paying back into my community. And that means I have to start building the bridges. I have to start being like, hey, have y'all heard about this grant? Have y'all heard about this? Are you in a secure financial place so that when we go to the next level, we can do it together? Cause I can't do it all on my own. That's what it is. You yeah. gotta be able to do that and change your whole thinking. Man, fuck a Tony. I mean, forget a Tony. I do not, here I am being good on my show and I'm cussing up on y'all show, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> I was like, you a guest, you a guest, Devon. <laughs> no, I, you know, I'm all with it. And I will tell you too, like, as someone who, like, you know, I own my own company. I, I Darkoy and I own two companies together. Yeah. No, we, own, we own one company one. together. You we have another one. Yeah, I have. I'm sorry, I'm losing track. But, <laughs> but um, you know, I, I, when people told me that I couldn't, I said, I oh, know that doesn't sound right, right? It doesn't sound right. And also, what I, what I, in the film industry, what I started to learn is where the real money goes at. I'm like, mm -hmm. where's the real money at? Because mm -hmm. what you're paying me isn't real money. Because that one, and we talked about this too. There was one person who had gotten like sixty-five thousand dollars from a gig, mm -hmm. and then they were still waitressing because everybody thinks when you like make that one little job mm -hmm. that you just that's just it. No, it's not. So you need to figure out when you make your deals, where's the real money going at? Where's the real distribution going at? And you need to get on an, on that part of it. If that means that you need to from your own company, so it's separate from yourself, so that your company can then be part of it, you need to do that. And I tell artists that all the time, which is why artists are like, well, why should I start my own podcast? Because you own it. Mm -hmm. It's yours. Yeah. It is yours. 
Why should I do my own movie? Because you own it. It is yours. Mm -hmm. Why do you want to jump on a deal with someone else knowing that they're not going to, oh, this this one, uh, sorry, sidetrack, but this one um, actor, I was consulting them and they were just like, I'm just excited that they're just, they're considering my project. I said, but it's your project, is your creative genius Speak and you're just happy. You're Speak just happy that they're, that they're, I said, so how much money are they giving you? Oh, well, they're going to give me like a union minimum. And I said, okay, well, what else? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What else? I said, they're so excited. They're willing to put all this money. What else? Mm-hmm. But guys, I think that this is not just a problem in the industry. I think this is a millennial problem because I've talked to a lot of people where, you know, companies, they do this, right? A lot of um, tech companies do this and a lot of other industries have adapted the tech company culture because what they do is they put a keg in the office, yeah. they give you catered meals, yeah. they get, have a lavish office. So you're going to work every day and you're like, yeah, I work on the Empire State Building and the 72nd floor and I get lunches catered every day so I don't have to worry about that. And we can drink on the job at four because it's happy hour, but that's a system to consistently keep you in place to where you're constantly working. And when you're trying to figure out why you're only making 45 to 60K a year, and the lady who is an immigrant is making $2,000, $4,000 cash a week cleaning houses, you're sitting up here like, well, wait a second. This woman is over here making moves, investing moves in her life, buying up houses in Peru. Yep. I mean, this is a personal experience. Like, you know, like over here buying houses in Peru. And then you're over here like, okay, wait a second. Like, it's all about the glitz and the glamour. And I think that this has permeated over into the entertainment industry. But I think this is a problem with our generation where we get caught up in titles, mm-hmm. caught up in the glitz and the glamour, and we forget about the bottom line, which is pay me my money because money equals more opportunities, it equals a better lifestyle and generational wealth. And you have to like get rid of this like idea, like I'm so grateful to be on your show, whether you're black or not. It's like, it's not even just a like, oh, I'm gonna dance for you. It's like, mm-hmm. no, like what is the bottom line? But I think it goes back to what you were saying, Davon, which is like, we really have to educate ourselves and put ourselves in a position of ownership, which I mean, I've seen you consistently do. You've had such a unique um, career. I mean, let's just let's just segue into this. Can we please talk about the TED Talk and Wayne? Yes. Like, I'm sorry, I will not get off this without talking about it. So this isn't even a question. We're just gonna talk about it. You took performance motivational speaking um, and wrapped it all in one. I mean, I've seen people give, because the the TED Talk that you did was TED Talk X, but I've seen Wayne Chai, but I've seen just TED Talks that weren't as good as yours. I mean, the way that you, I was in it with you, you broke out in Mandarin. Can you please tell me, I mean, I know that you're an actor, so that probably played a huge part in it but how did you even construct that because i have been talking about that all week i was talking about it at the picnic right before this so i just i just want to know um so a fun fact just to show you like where i am with that ted talk what i um 
as far as it is done, it exists, it is out there in the world. Uh, what I learned when we were first doing the TED Talk was that um, every TED Talk, there's certain panels every year where people automatically go and they get their stuff put on. And then what happens every year is that they look at the TED Talks and the ones that resonate the most then get promoted. They are then, these are official TED Talks sanctioned by us, no longer TEDx. Now, when I was doing this, I was uh, in Hong Kong at the time I was performing. I had just done this poem, which I'm also about to re-release. Um, and I had just shared it and they were like, oh my God. And this lady comes up to me and she's like, I really want you to like do this TED talk. Please God, like come, we do this TEDx thing and Wan Chai, we would love it. And I go, okay, I'll come. So then we have the meeting I go, I wanna be a speaker. And she's like, what? And I'm like, mm, no, I'm fine. I actually have back out. Someone from over in America saw the list of people, called her and said, you have Davon Williams, get him to be a talker. And she was like, yeah, he said that. And then he backed out. And she was like, no, I don't care if he says yes or no, get him to be a talker, just do it. So then um, she comes to me, she goes, I, I, I'm asking you to be a, a, an actual speaker, not just one of the performers in between the breaks. And I was like, uh, can I think on it? She's like, I was told not to let you think on it. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, I, I'll do it, I'll do it. So um, they explained to me everything. They explained what I just explained of how TED works and all that. And I'm like, okay, I guess. I'll just give a normal speech and all that. So the reason this, this person that knew me was so passionate, he's like, he's a critical thinker. He's gonna, I know he's gonna bring something he does it every time. And this is a great platform that I know he won't say yes to unless you push him. So I'm sitting there, I've accepted it. I'm looking at it and I'm like, I'll write a normal one. And I go, well, well what is TED? What is it? It's technology, it's entertainment, it's design. I'm an entertainer. And if this whole point is to push things forward, like to really get people moving forward, you have to present what it is you do that can bring people forward. What I can do that a lot of people can't is I have a creative mind. I am an entertainer. So how do I introduce to these designers and tech people a new way of getting their point across? They get to come to my field. So instead of me walking into your world and trying to give this PowerPoint presentation, yeah. I am bringing you into mine. So the night before I threw all of it out and I called the person, I was like, hey, um, I'm gonna bring a band on. I have this guitarist, I have this person that I'm doing like this, these tours with. I, uh, I rewrote everything. I'm gonna give you new slides and everything. She's freaking out. She calls the person. They're like, just trust, trust. This is what I thought was gonna happen. Just trust it. He's about to give you something you ain't never seen before. So I go in, I give it. And she's like, okay, what's your talk gonna be about? And I'm like, it's gonna be about the time my mom left me. Okay, go. And she's like, ah, like what? What is this? And then when she saw it and saw the way that it was presented and the idea that I also have to acknowledge where I am, these people, like all the, all the people who are expats are gonna get what I'm saying. All of them are only gonna get every other word and they're only gonna get the emotion in the pictures. So I'm trying to speak on multiple levels, which is one of the gifts that I'm trying to show. Here's my presentation in English. Here's what I can do with sound. Here's this. And not only that, but I will take this time to go pong, yao, no dong, pong, yao. I like I just go for it and what happened is in that moment even if they didn't catch it what that song's about like understanding the culture that I'm in they have this hit song by this game this guy named Eason Chan and the whole song is about being a bad friend and being that in the moment I wish I wish there were two cameras because the moment you could see all the expats were already done they were in it but the moment that song started every single Hong Kong native clicked. And it was like, it was a collective, 
ah, because <laughs> we get it. We're there. We're in it. So then when I got to the end and just talking about like all this horrible stuff happened and you have to really take in the idea that someone kept going, someone came back to that. They dealt with the shame of that. They deal with like, will my son even forgive me? Like, And just putting it all out there. And that became the new root of like my mom and I love. The idea that she fell down and she got up. She, she came back. Cause it's, it's, she, she, she felt it. She felt everything that was going on. She had her own issues. And then she said, no, I got, I got someone. And that's a love. Like how many people get to say like someone came back for me. So that's, that's what that talk was about. And now that I've like let it breathe for a little bit. Cause again, that, that was a very <laughs> emotional thing to give. Like that was a big gift. And now that I'm able to look at it as a piece of art and a statement, now I'm going to start that campaign and now I'm going to go to like try and make it an official TED talk so more people who have dealt with that trauma and dealt with that stuff can actually get get that catharsis or get that step forward. Wow. Wow. Well, for those of you who haven't um, seen the TED talk, you can check it out on D Davon's website. Yeah. We'll put it in the um, the comments. Yeah. Can you do yeah. that? Um, yeah. Very, very, very powerful because at the end, I didn't know if that was actually really your mother or if that was if you meant that that was like imagery of your success looking at you like just the whole thing. I was like, well, wait, is it his mom or is it the success that success was waiting right in front of him? I mean, yes. either way, I mean, the answer is yes to both. Okay. 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 So I got it right. I mean, it's just beautiful. So Tish will put that in the comments for um, in the comments for you guys that are watching. But um, Devon, I think another one of the maybe wrap up questions that we uh, that we have for you is a lot yeah. of people are just trying to figure out what can I do to level up at home right here right now. I mean. <laughs> Paper girl. <laughs> I know. I've been trying to. I'm trying to spell it. I sleep out. under this. <laughs> all these covers. Well, you sleep? Wait, is that is your bed right there? Um, no, no, no. My my room is down the hall. Oh, we have a okay, kitchen. The, the, the apartment's nice, but I'm just saying. Like today, I was like, let's do purple royalty. So I was like, oh well, my comforter has it, so I, I brushed it out, did that, put the picture on it, uh, put the uh, red curtain to the side, the blanket. They're blankets. Like they're honestly, you just have to. Um, who was it? I can't remember who the talker was, but um, just this idea of you just got to accept where you are. Okay, this is what I have. These are my resources. Even now, when I'm talking, I'll be like, is my subject verb agreement correct? I don't care. If it's crazy, I'll go back and be like, my bad. <laughs> you just got to be okay with, with just yeah. failing. You got to be okay because once you accept it, you grow. Right, right. It's paper. <laughs> <laughs> it looks good. It's good paper. It's good Thank paper. You. It's good paper. Um, you know, uh, I was actually talking to um, talking to some of my friends about that, just really trying to learn. So I, I left uh, fear uh, in my in my 30s. So I'm 30 right now, but I'm 31. So I said the year of 31, I'm releasing fear. Mm -hmm. And um, that's something cute to say. Um, but I think that tangibly, that really just means like, I really am looking at every opportunity as a time 
and an opportunity to grow. So when I look at something as like, okay, I'm going to learn something from this, whether I do good or whether I do bad, that's really like allowed me to just really like release that fear and also like not trying to fix everything. Cause sometimes you're mm. anxious and you're scared and you're like, oh, I gotta fix this. I gotta do my breathing. I gotta do my this, but like, it's okay to just sit in it and be aware. And then if, and then if you attach on just like the learning experience, like you said, it's an opportunity to learn and to grow, then fear doesn't become this big external force that just paralyzes you, yes. if you will. So, um, oh yeah, so. Uh, this was just like, you just dropped so many gems today, Davon. I already knew this was going to be great, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I got a lot from this. So I know the people that are watching this. So just for people who are out there, tell us what they can do to do, to get up on your level. You know, I, I understand I did like leveling up in, in like indirectly leveling up, but like, if you are, if you want to do anything, you're already on my level. And I, that this is probably the, probably the most important part of like the receipts and everything else. I started an LLC when I was like right out of college. Um, and even then people were like, grants, you got to work for grants. You got to do this. My first contract was a $10,000 contract. And that came from preparation and being like, oh, I'm afraid. Oh, well, like <laughs> here we go. And now that I've like grown and I've launched the new one and stuff like that, it's just, you gotta, you gotta, oh man, it doesn't make, nothing's holding you back and right now the level the playing field is really leveled because people who can even stunt on you with content they can't even make their content the way they used to and some of them are too prideful to go i'm gonna get up in my house and turn this camera on like i can't here there's something white and like here here's my hand look at that smudge on my camera like <laughs> that i'm so bothered yeah, I, the reason i keep deconstructing everything is because i really want to drive the point home that like if you want to do something right now, do it. Like, just do it. Just do it. And if you, if you, even if you're afraid, I am at day willing. Just do it. <laughs> just be like, yo, you don't know me. I'm afraid. Just do it. Just do it. Right. Yeah, but you do have to. What I will say is that preparation really does help when you are creating, and it really does help you level up. So the fact that you even thought, you know, maybe I should have an LLC, maybe I should prepare for whatever opportunity, yes. to me, that's just a level of leveling up. Because some people, I mean, I was um, I was listening to some people on YouTube, you know, and it's like to know that 60% of African-American businesses didn't even apply for the SBA loan just lets you know enough about like mindset, you know? The fact that 60% of those businesses didn't even think it was important to see if they could get the economic um, advance, you know, yes. disaster yes. advance. So I just think that, you know, like putting yourself in a position, like if Darkoya, we got the advance, we did. If we didn't even start an LLC, yeah. or if we didn't even apply, we didn't even apply, mm -hmm. you know, like, at the end of the day, like there is nothing to fear out there when you're going out there and you're doing your own business for you. Mm -hmm. You know, like these businesses out here, the advantages that they have is just is just out of this world. It's just like you would think, like, why am I paying so much tax? <laughs> why am I paying so much, you know, of my individual personal taxes when these businesses 
are getting all these tax breaks. Yes. You know? yes. So I think, you know, part of, for our viewers out there, part of leveling up is really just structuring yourself in a place where you can win, you know? And developing, I think also to developing a business mindset because the one thing that the three of us all have in common is we're a business person first, artist second. Like that's just that's just how it is. Like we got the SBA loan, we got the SBA loan individually, you after your LLC, me as my sole proprietorship. And then we got the, the SBA loan a second time together. And then we took that money and reinvested it. And we, sorry, we reinvested it into our companies and ourselves so that way we can, we can, so that is something tangible. We can level up. We didn't say, oh, you know, um, I'm going to use it for just like groceries or for this. Like, no, we literally, we, this is my wealth partner. So that's what we are, best friend, but also she's my wealth partner. And we were like, Tish was like, yep, I want to hire a brand shot of this. I was like, yep, okay, I'm down. And we were like, let's do it because we know that like this money is for our business. It's, it's, it's so we can level up. So I think it really is about developing that mindset and I can't speak for anybody else on the call, but Artisha Man Cooper knows that that one right there. I am an artist through and through. Was like, I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to be an entrepreneur. I just want to be in my artist bag. And um, I constantly was just running on a hamster wheel. And it wasn't yeah. until I started creating my own opportunity that now it's just like, um, it's like when you speak to people, even if you don't get hired for a job because you have so many things that you're doing, it's like, oh, okay, no problem. Um, but let's collaborate because I got this other thing yes. and you might be yes. interested. So the conversations that you're even able to have with people, it's just, it's totally different. It's just like, well, I got this. this, mm -hmm. this. How do you want to work together? Because now we, we've met. I like you. We're vibing. Let's create an alliance. And so that really puts you in a position of, power and wealthy people are doing it every single day so every day. Every um, I day. Think just, we have to consistently put ourselves in the mindset and it's okay if whoever is listening to the call if you're not there i mean especially our black and, and brown people they don't teach us this like davon said earlier that you know we are taught be happy to be there you know uh you you, you should just um you should just be happy that you're you're even given an opportunity i'm so blessed i'm so this Yes, God is great and he is able and he put gives you an opportunity, but he also has created you to dominate and win. Amen. So, uh, like that whole, I'm just so blessed. Be blessed, but also like being be, be empowered. Exactly. Okay, because that's exactly. true. So I digress. And, and also just to piggyback on that, a lot of the times you'll find that when you don't get a job and maybe you say, oh, well, I have this other company or whatever, you know, you'll find like maybe even months after you say that someone always reaches back out to you for yes. something. Always. I mean, just sending out. I know uh, a lot of actors probably have heard of Dallas Trevors, but she always talks about sending out your ships, sending out your seven ships, you know, just sending it out there, putting it out there into the world. I mean, really, it doesn't hurt to do that. You know, like starting your own whatever, like your own writing company, your own, you know, whatever company is not going to hurt you in the long run. The only thing it can really do is open up the door for new opportunities for you. So I really urge artists 
to really, and all these artists in the industry, they all got companies, FYI, all of them. Yep. They all learn. No, no, let me, can, can I put an amendment on that? The yes. ones who last see George Clooney, who at a point they were like, you're washed up and you're done. And as soon as he started his business, the next year was the hottest person in demand. I think it's, I think that's what separates people from, I'm going to do this for a little while and now it's time to bow out because it's not panning out for me. And the people who understand how to build on this bad boy. I think that's so important. Can I, can you want to talk shop? Do we have time to talk shop for a quick second? Yeah. Now that you have your business, are you going to escort your LLC? Are you going to pay all your, have y'all had the tax talk yet? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, um, I'm I'm not gonna escort yet. I mean, I have like three LLCs. Yeah. But I I, I typically do it for a reason, for tax purposes. <laughs> um, but I do think that there's a uh, there is a, a, a um, more benefits with being part of an escort. You can hire yourself. You know, part of yep. an escort. You can't really do that with an LLC. You have to be an owner. You well, know? you know you can. That's that's one of the things. Like you can choose to tax that way. So what happens is, and again, don't don't do it unless you got that steady contract or that steady income. But yeah. if you this is this is one of the things I just think was so cool. If you take your LLC and you file with the government and you go, I want to be charged. I mean, I want to be treated as an S corp. As long as you do a reasonable wage. Now, please, nobody go out here doing anything illegal. Again, to your audiences at home, please don't do anything illegal because they will crack down. And if you're a minority business, guess what they going after first. But like what you can do is you can pay yourself a reasonable wage and then tax time. That's 15 percent. That's it. As opposed to the 30 or whatever the percentage rate is for paying the full thing. That's really important. And that's one of those like move again. That's one of those wealth moves where like you're not really fighting for more money. You're just letting your money work for you. That's and that's the stuff that I'm like again. I wish we were taught that in art school. <laughs> well, they used wow. panel, they didn't teach us nothing. <laughs> and when we got our masters, we have a whole panel discussion about it. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. It was a I don't even want to talk about it. we're getting back on the institutions and how they don't teach you about balancing the checkbook. My mom told me when she was growing up, they they gave you like classes on how to balance your checkbook and stuff. Yeah. She said they got rid of those classes and she grew up in Baltimore. Yeah. My mom grew up near Greenmount. I don't know if you know. I know exactly what you're talking about. My yeah. mom tells the same story because that was one of, and she still prides herself on that of knowing how to balance a, a checkbook. Like that's budgeting. And it's something that they were just like, mm, let's phase it out. That wasn't on purpose. I mean, that wasn't by mistake. Right, right. That part. Yeah. So, so now I, I do think it's I do think it's important that as um, as artists that we learn um, how to also just pay it forward. You yeah. know, yeah. to artists and um, people have ha been having a conversation. And I know that we don't have all day to talk about this, but they have been having a conversation how. Um, people of color who are in the industry can talk about wealth distribution and all these things, but they really aren't coming back to their communities and really helping like small businesses and really helping like change laws or whatever. They're just talking to the other people and asking other people to do that. What do you think about that? Um, two things. Number one, uh, we had Don Lewis on and Don 
talked about that idea of paying it forward. Now, Dawn had uh, started the New Day, which is a play on her a play on her name and stuff like that, where she pays it forward and does everything else to make sure that everything's in place. And I think that was such a major sacrifice. And she talks about it a little bit more on the show on why she chose to go that direction. And as it like pertains to me, which is fun because like on the receipts, I'm always like, I'm the fair partial. I'm here to listen and get the answers. But uh, as it applies to me. What I found very interesting about that is I remember being on the flip side. I wanted to focus, like again, acting was an afterthought and it just took off. I was working in the Philadelphia school district with the Philly Young Playwrights and stuff, working as a teaching artist and using our art to help people. Like for example, myself, first grade, I learned to read because someone did arts integration. Like the system wasn't working for me. Hooked on phonics and our arts integration got me there and got me ahead of people. So her phonics was the bop. That's arts. That, that is But when I came out the gate, I was doing all this work and I had to fight so much. And then this one actor who has a bunch of credits and they're considered a celebrity would come and they move everything around for this person who wasn't offering anything. And I said, oh my God, people are robbing people. Like, again, you gotta, you only we know our hearts and we know what we can do. We know our ability and we know our hearts. And when you have that, how can you not have a call to action? Like the whole reason I was like, okay, I'm gonna invest a little bit more in like this acting side and this showing face side and getting out there in front of the cameras and doing all this is because now I can go with my clout and my swag and the rules that come with doing this and be like, okay, great. Remember those proposals that y'all scoffed at and barely let me do until y'all started looking good? Well, I'm coming to you now. Are you gonna give me the, the same hard time? Don't you need a celebrity? Aren't you caught up in celebrity? Come on, let's play. Like that's how you have to do. And that's the point of paying it forward because the people who are in it, they aren't always going to get listened to. They're not. So sometimes you have to use your platform like you're seeing a lot of white allies are out here being like, here's our platform and look at what it's doing. <laughs> look at what happens when you use your influence for good. I'm sorry, I, I keep getting into these passionate preaches, but yeah. Oh, we love it. We love no, it. it's great. It's yeah. great. And it's it's kind of what um, what we're very passionate about as well, is really informing people and giving them the tools so they can actually do something. And I mean, we've had so many conversations where we've said, you know, you pay for a class or you pay for this and you pay for that, and they just hype you up. You know, they don't give you tangible tools. So I do feel like we're giving people tangible tools, things that they can actually do so that they can level up. And that's that's our goal. That's yes. really our goal because y'all spend your money out here. <laughs> well, I spent enough money for everybody. So, I mean, my thing about it is, and I, I was talking petitionals, I have done all of these, every e master class, uh, ebook, whatever. Yeah. And it's so interesting because like you said, the celebrity doesn't always mean that the content and the resources that you're going to get is good. I mean, I've had, I've gotten classes where I remember I got like, I took a, I took a master, uh, I don't know, like a $30, $50 class. Yeah. And I was telling Tish, I was like, I could have watched a podcast for that. It wasn't until like I reached out to the person and I was just like, you know, of course, I'm always nice, I'm always cordial. I was like, that just, it really wasn't visually what I thought it, it was going to be. And I just didn't think it was what it needed to be. Mm. And she was like, well, I'm so sorry that, you know, you didn't get what you needed out the class. And so 
we started talking and in a 10 minute conversation with her, I got more information about how to get to where I needed to go than in the whole um, master class. And I said, you know, I just, I'm just so tired of sifting through things and having to make all of these mistakes. And I think that is part of paying it forward is like, like even with your show, the receipts, you're like, I went through all of this and you know, this is really what you need. And this is really what's going down. And I'm not just going to talk about it. I got the receipts to prove it. You know what I mean? And me and Tish are like, you know what? All of this is foolishness. You're going to come out of this with resources if we do something, because I'm just not going to do it. I'm like, I, I don't have time for foolishness. And Tish knows I can't mm-hmm. my face. You know, I'm just like, <laughs> you know, or I'm just like, I- I'm unbothered. So, I mean, we really, yeah. we really, I think that's like a way of paying it forward, just like really kind of sifting everything out. And I, I looked, I've, I've, I've researched all your articles and everything. And I saw how you, um, mm-hmm. you were teaching artists and just, um, I mean, personally, my opinion is I know that you've achieved, you've probably achieved the level of success that you have because of the type of person you are. It's really evident the type, the who, what your core is and who you are to your core and just you. work that, the work that you do. So I, I don't know you personally, but I already know that you're kind. I'm not, I already know that you're passionate. I already know that you're real um because that's what i see in your work and that's what i see with the people that surround you so i got that just from looking at your things and <laughs> completely super inspired <laughs> thank you yeah. i really appreciate it thank you you're welcome thank you guys we are coming up to our end i think Wait, let's um, do the chant question chant chant yes, okay. yes. so davon i don't know have you been out protesting yes Okay. Yes, okay. look at this tan. No, I'm just uh, yeah. <laughs> in that sun. <laughs> look at this inconsistent color. Yes, that sun is working. Stop, stop. Well, okay, so you've heard the chants, right? And, mm-hmm. and like some of them are super empowering, but also some of them are like funny, or you're just kind of sitting over your shoulders, like, wait, what? And you re- then you find yourself repeating, wait, I didn't mean to say that. Wait, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, though? <laughs> some of them just so, some, you know, I'm right, you're right. Like, some of them I go, oh, oh, that's new. Oh, that's not no justice, no peace. Right. <laughs> it's a hot mess. So, if you were leading your own protest, what would your chant be? Uh, oh my God. That, oh man, I wish I, had, I wish that was a prepared one. Oh man, I'm usually really good with catchphrases too, and I'm like, ah, okay. What am I? What am I protesting? What am I protesting? Well, you're you're protesting. You're protesting. Um uh racial inequality and all of that we're protesting the same thing you're protesting everything that happened to brianna taylor george floyd all, all everybody you're you're it's 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 what we're doing but it's like if you were leading your own protest what would your chant be so right now you know one of the you know you about to lose your job that's like a fu- <laughs> that's kind of a funny one you know that's that's my girl i, I downloaded her song on itunes um but, <laughs> but some of them it's like you know um uh, what does racism look like in why? That's the one. I'm like, or like, no justice, no peace. And it's like, uh, shut it down. You know, like it's like, shut it down. What do we? Shut it down. Shut it down. So like, 
what would yours be? And it could be funny. It could be super deep and empowering. It's just if you were leading your own protest in this current climate of civil unrest and racial inequality, what would your uh, chant be? All right, so y'all are about to get the nerd work. Let's see, does this work? Does everything flip? Does every, let me see. Uh, Let's see. Let me see. No, everything, everything flips. So I'm just gonna speak it out. So normally when I'm in a situation like this, it's like, okay, go. And again, I, I have been, a lot of my career has been, you got 30 seconds, one minute, one day, get it together. So you're like, ah, so I, uh, challenge accepted. So the things that we need to deal with is the fact that it's black. We're doing a protest about black, let's say lives. So let's get black lives out there. Um, what's something that's really funny or associated with black lives? Uh, on our body, you got lips, you got nose, you got thighs. Um, what about th thighs are nice? Okay, here we go. Uh, what about black lives? Okay. Black lives save lives. Thick thighs, nice pies. There you go. That would be my first. Oh, no. Thick thighs, nice what? What is it? Black lives save lives. Thick thighs, nice pies. Okay. Okay. It okay. Now it might have to get revised a little bit, but we already in there. We already in there working. <laughs> the message is clear. We can cook. We season. We know how to bake. We got them yes, nice so. big thighs because, of course, that's what they checking for. Napoleon Douglas is one of the people who worked out. Where is it? Okay. So he's one of the people that works the tech. So behind the scenes, when we're getting those pictures up and stuff like that. That's one of the people behind her just like working it out and stuff like that. Right, so, Napoleon. Yeah. We see you, Napoleon. Big five. No, it's good. It's been thank really good. Napoleon, we see you. I love it. I love it, Devon. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for just dropping all of your gems and just a wealth of knowledge. I know that I got a lot out of it. So you were open yeah. to me. So thank you so much. Yeah. And Indeed. you just have, you have such a wonderful personality. Yeah. You do. And I just, I just want to say that I, I know that, um, you know, people can be kind of like rude out here in these streets trying to tell you what you can and cannot do, but just keep on keeping on because yeah. we're listening. Yeah. Well, well, we're friends now. We know each other. Everybody yeah. got digitally meet at this point because, you know, we ain't figuring this out yet. But like, <laughs> we digitally met. We're friends now. You can at, at me at any time you want. Just at Yes. And I know that sky's the limit for you. So I'm just going to be on the lookout because I already know. I already know that you've already achieved certain height. But just I just know you're going to soar, soar even higher. So, yeah. Thank you so much. And also, guys, check out the receipts. It's yes. what is every every two times every Thursday. So we're doing ten installments for season one, one through ten. And what people are starting to figure out is I'm not just doing random guests. Like there's a reason right. that all of this is happening in the order it's happening and why. So once you get to episode ten, you're gonna learn like essentially what my artist statement on racism is when it comes to theater. That's okay. what all this is about. Wow. Okay. And every Thursday at what time? What time, David? Oh, so if you're on the East Coast, it's 4 p.m. If you're on the West Coast, it's 1 p.m. And I just learned that if you're in South Africa, we had a South African guest today, 10 p.m. <laughs> right. Every Thursday, you guys. So me and Tish will be tuning in. We hope that you will too. Getting those comments, I'll, I, I will rush your question right there. I will get right in there. Yay. Yes, we are so excited. And also, guys, we um, air every Thursday at 8 p.m. Our next uh, series are 
are uh, moms in the industry, moms of color in the industry and what they deal with. So check us out next Thursday. We have a really, really great mom who is a parent of one of the children from Mixed Dish. So we are, we are, we are very excited to have her on board and we will keep you guys up to date. So thank you all. We'll see you next Thursday. Hi. Thank you. Thank you. Check out the receipts. On yeah. is it on the is it on your page? Facebook, sure. the website, and YouTube. Honestly, just just at me, you'll find it. Like Davon Williams, you'll Perfect. find it. Yeah. Perfect, guys. Check it out. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Bye.